0: You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode. Uh, we've got a right carry-on in fab facts. It's a trap in the randomizer. And Catherine Schell is earthbound for the second part of her chat with Jamie. Well, oh, that's all coming up in pod at CXXXV11. What? of the Jerry Anderson podcast!
1: Get started.
2: Let's go.
0: Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James.
3: <laughs> you've, uh, I don't know what you've got a bit there. Roman, you've yeah. got a bit Roman on us, haven't you? Yeah, yes. I don't, even, I don't even know
0: much Latin, so I, I don't know yeah. why I did that. But um that was quick, though, was it? It's Pod one three seven. In case anyone is left in any doubt <laughs> whatsoever, yes, 137
3: at C one hundred thirty XXX and seven V II. I should have said not one one, but it'll do. Right? Is yeah, that yeah. right? God. That's what I've no idea. I'm going to take your word for it. It's it, you know, I think I thought of it because I was looking the other day at Doctor Who The Iron Legion, the comic adaptation oh. for which oh, I yes. was a producer. Mm-hmm. And um, in it, the crowd count down to something. Right. And so they're going, V. No. I love that. It's oh, very sweet, so I think that just must have been on, on my mind. Anyway, look, this is the Jerry Anderson Podcasters. Oh, is, it? We, is are, it? we are your host, host I, host Yes, Ricardus <laughs> Jacobus, and no. you would be... Uh, Jim, Jim, Jiminus mm. Andersonus, I don't know. Let's <laughs> well, not do any more of this. Over there is Chris Dale. He's interestingly yes. being fed peeled grapes. Yes. by a, uh, a Chris?
0: Is that a Greek yeah, you,
3: priestess? Yeah.
0: Your toga's slipping, Chris. Just... Oh yeah, pull it up,
3: Chris. Goodness yeah, me! Crikey. Anyway, look, we're all here. Hasn't I promise he got it all shapely legs. <laughs> Sorry, I just promise. got distracted there for a moment. We're going to get back on straight and narrow now. Richard yes, James, yes. what is coming mm-hmm. up in this episode of the Joe Hansen Podcast?
0: Oh, now you want to know, do you? Well, yes. I'll tell you, for Pod 137, uh, we've got the second part of your fantastic interview with Catherine Schell, which has gone down an absolute storm, and I wasn't the only one who was looking forward to that, I know. So great to hear from Catherine, and you'll hear the second part of that interview a little later on. Mm. Chris Dale will be lifting himself from his uh, lovely uh, recumbent position there, if you can just uh, straighten the laurels on his head there in time to give us the randomizer a little later on in the podcast. And of course, we'll be hearing from our lovely Podstrons uh, via our Facebook group, via Twitter Twitter, where they've been hashtagging us and tagging us, and also via their emails. We've got fab facts in just a moment, if all goes according to plan, and some newsy news, news news. Gosh, all that. Is there any more? I know. Well, do you want more? I don't think I can cope with any more. I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek at what's coming next week, Jamie. What? How can yeah. you do that? Well, because do you remember uh, last week, or I think it was last week, we put out a call for some limericks. Oh. Well. Yes. They're coming in thick and fast, and I'm collating them as we speak, oh, no. ready for next week's podcast. Okay, well, I so, yeah. I cannot wait for those. Yeah, there we are. While
3: we wait, sorry, I was having a yes. little sip of tea there. Should we, I did um, hear that. Shall we have a Fab Fact? Oh, yeah, go on then. All right, here we go. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. It's Fab Facts, where I have a book of Fab mm. Facts, I flick through the book. Mm. Richard shouts Fab, and then I read a Fab Fact from the page where we stop. Is that okay for you, Richard James? <laughs> yeah, it's
0: all perfectly simple. And you, Posteron? They're perfectly simple, too. Good. <laughs> Don't be rude. Here comes I'm sorry. the flick. Fab!
3: Oh, well, I, hey. got, I got stuck there, but I did flick over I the next page. A little bit of a flippers interruptus there. <laughs> I, there's no more Latin in this one, right? Oh, okay. Uh, this week's fabus factus. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just—it's rubbish. Just adding "us" onto the end of every yeah. word. Well, let's stop doing it. Oh, hmm. What? Well, you're going to enjoy this one, right? Uh, Richard, I know you're a huge Doctor Who fan. That's uh, it's true enough, yes. But you're also a huge fan. Of uh, the late Sid James, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. You're right. Yes. Who isn't? How would you feel about having Sid James and the Daleks
0: on screen in the same scene? What? What? (laughs) Hey, is this a missing scene from the Daleks' Master Plan or something? All will be revealed as we
3: proceed with this slightly bizarre fab fact. Well, Richard, you have actually had your your wish of Sid James and the Daleks thunderbirds has provided us with just that explain explain Explain. (laughs) okay in the episode the man from mi5 Mm. captain blacker is gunned down aboard his yacht by a naughty bad guy named carl right carl then proceeds to ransack blacker's office looking for some secret documents okay As he searches through a chest of drawers, we cut to a live-action insert shot of real human hands, as happened in Thunderbirds, looking through some real drawers. Ooh, uh. Eh? Now, randomly, one of those drawers is absolutely crammed full of picnic gear. Mm -hmm. But the other contains various documents. The live-action hands rifle through them so fast that you can't really make out what's there unless you slow the footage down a bit. (laughs) If you slow that footage down, you will spot a map of Western Europe, some travel brochures, including uh, what could be possibly a guide to some Italian castles. Okay. A magazine called Fabulous... Of course And another magazine Bearing the grinning face Of Carry On star Sid James Blacker also Bizarrely Has two issues Of TV Century 21 oh, comic Jeremy, In that draw, Issues 32 and 33 So the Daleks Are seen In their comic strip On the back Of issue 32 we also see the top of the front cover of issue 32 promoting a James Bond competition and the front of issue 33, which consists of a brief glimpse of a photo of Fab 1 and the words Stingray and Fireball XL5. Ah! Oh. So it's b- b- a bit tenuous, but bear with yeah. me. Possibly, okay, possi- possi- possibly, 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 possibly even more interesting than Sid James well, and the Daleks, so. though. yeah. yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If, if anything could possibly be more interesting than that is that the desk drawer also contains what appears to be a page from the script of the episode, The Man from MI5 itself. Oh. It's very difficult to be sure, but in HD, it is, it is just about possible to make out the phrases, sound scan equipment, paralyser switch, tranquiliser switch, and compact, all of which are elements that come into play in the story. Okay. So if only Blacker had actually had the full script in his possession, he might have known he was going to get
0: shot. <laughs> that's very meta isn't it i like that <laughs> a character discovering a copy of the script of the episode they're in, <laughs> and flicking through and see what's going to happen yeah there's a great
3: a great story I in like there that. somewhere yeah i mean yeah, so it's, a, it's yeah. a bit tenuous to say sid james and the daleks were on
0: screen together but they yes. technically were mm. all right yeah i mean convinced? i've got a personal i've got a personal perhaps closer link to the worlds of the carry-on films
3: oh go on then go on then well, show us your, show us your I, cards
0: got married we had a, a ceremony at a, a, a registry office in mm-hmm. Maidenhead in Berkshire yeah. at Maidenhead Town Hall mm-hmm. the building of which stood in for the exterior of the hospital in the carry-on films oh. you know the famous scene of uh, Barbara Windsor tottering down the street outside the hospital and all that and the yes, ambulances yes. parked outside yes that's where we got married
3: see Gosh, okay, well, that is almost as tenuous as the Fab Fact itself. (laughs) True. Two for one. Yeah, yeah. Two half-ones making up perhaps (laughs) one full Fab Fact. Yeah. yeah. So, um, there you go. Daleks and Sid James and meta stuff and uh, stacks of TB21s, because I guess they thought, oh, they'll never see the detail of these. We need some stuff for the draw. That'll do. Yes, exactly. That'll do. Yeah, yeah. But it means now we can pick holes in it all these years later, thanks to high definition. <laughs> Which is what we love doing. Yeah. Yes, that's why we're here. Anyway, I think that brings us uh, rather cruelly,
0: perhaps, to the end of this week's
3: Sid Fact. Hey,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no. Sorry, you set me off now. Uh, now, you're listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. The greatest thing you can do for us is to subscribe to us on whichever channel, your platform you're listening to us on, and that way you'll be certain of hearing every new episode each time it lands. And also, you can subscribe to us there and uh, leave us a review and a rating and invite your friends and they'll get to hear us too. You can also email us, podcast at gerryanderson.co.uk, just like lots of people have done over the past few weeks. I've got a bumper crop of emails this week, so I'll make a start with this one from Hannah, who says, hello, Despite what's been happening, I've had a good Christmas and a new year, and I hope you did too. Glad to hear it. I spent Christmas Eve, says Hannah, watching Christmas-themed Anderson episodes. I only have two, Stingray and Thunderbirds, but they're good enough for me anyway, and I loved wearing my Thunderbirds Christmas jumper. One of my presents was a new Airfix space rocket, which I'm very excited to build. The biggest and unexpected surprise for me was another Airfix kit of the Eagle. From space 1999 Ooh. I believe it was from the 70s yeah. I've got a picture of it on the Podstron's Facebook group and it'll be a very interesting kit to build I'm even planning to make a background and display stand for it doesn't that sound great Mm. Yeah. make Lovely. a nice diorama out of tinfoil and cardboard uh, Mark got in touch to say hi there I totally loved this week's fab fact about Thunderbirds vehicles appearing in TV 21 months before they appeared on screen I was six years old when the comic first was first published and as a fan of Gerry Anderson I devoured it every week from the very first issue Stingray was my big obsession but I soon became a fan of Fible XL5 with Mike Noble's fabulous comic adventures I loved, says Mark, the inclusion of colour photos in the Stingray strip, as up until then I'd only ever seen it in black and white. Mm -hmm. As you said, it gave the impression that the adventures were part of the TV show. The first episode of Thunderbirds came on screen about a year after TV21 started, and to say I was excited doesn't come close, but the subtle placement of vehicles such as Fireflash in Stingray stories was nothing compared to what was the real revelation of Trapped in the Sky. Up to that point, Lady Penelope had just been an espionage comic strip in TV21 where she was a sort of female James Bond. Imagine how ghasted my flabber was when I found out <laughs> that she was actually the London agent for International Rescue. Suddenly it all made sense. She and Parker had had several encounters with the Hood, so I knew he was evil before he uttered his first "Girano." All these elements combine to add to my enjoyment of what remains one of my favourite Thunderbirds episodes. Just on a side note, I didn't have any posh friends, and I'd never come across the name Penelope. My friends and I all pronounced it as Pennylope.
4: Did <laughs> anyone else do
0: this? It seems silly now, but before the first TV show aired every week, I read about the adventures of Parker and Lady Pennylope. Thanks for all the continuing fun, <laughs> and that's from Mark. Isn't that nice? It is. Yeah, I mean, understandable. It's a weird spelling, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Ashley Bell got in touch to say, uh, Hi Jamie and Richard, how are you? Can I be the first to wish you both a happy new year? Well, sorry Ashley, I'm reading this out a few weeks too late, so you are by no means the first. <laughs> uh, and Chris Dale, of course, he says, I had a quiet Christmas and New Year, and I was wondering what to do. So I logged onto my computer and went to my YouTube channel. And on my YouTube channel, there was a YouTube video called Thunderbirds, The Origins of International Rescue. So, I played the video and I was very impressed. So it got me thinking about how Stingray came about. Or what did Captain Scarlet do before he joined Spectrum? Mm. Even better, what did Commander Straker do before he joined Shadow? And last of all, what did Father Unwin do before he joined Bishop? There's some origin stories to talk about. Any more origin stories to come, Jamie? And that's from Ashley. In due course, we hope so. Oh. But as you know,
3: Richard James, there's a lot going on currently. We're quite cool. busy doing some I should go, okay? things. Yes. Uh, but uh, no, we're, we're definitely considering it. I think uh, potentially Captain Scarlet might be next if we do a sort of origin story. Ah,
0: great. How's that? Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, we also heard from David Kingsmill, who sent us a rather nice little voice file. Uh, He says, here is a call which I would love to be played on the podcast. Having only recently discovered the podcast, I'm miles behind. He says, I'm currently on pod 15. So if you do play this, I'd love a heads up of which pod it's going into so I can jump ahead to listen to it before returning to the chronology. Also, I wanted to say congratulations for First Action Bureau. As someone who has more time to listen to things right now than to watch, I adored
4: the series. And
0: that's all the very best from David. And yes, so he sent us a lovely
4: little voice file. Let's have a listen. Greetings to both of you. This is David calling from Canada, though, as you can probably tell from my voice, I'm from the UK originally. I was born in London in 85, and my earliest Jerry Anderson memory is of my grandmother trying to show me an episode of Thunderbirds when the reruns were happening, and me being absolutely terrified when the reactor exploded in the opening credits and refusing to watch it for some time. When I did, I was hooked. Stingray and Captain Scarlet were natural progressions, the latter, of course, when I was a little older and I became enamoured with the shows, even having dreams about being Virgil and piloting Thunderbird 2. As I grew into other media, my uncle introduced me to two video games that changed my life in terms of the stories I would grow attached to. Dune 2, which got me hooked on Frank Herbert's sci-fi epic, and UFO Enemy Unknown, uh, the original game in the XCOM franchise, which I came to understand was inspired by Jerry Anderson's UFO, amongst other things, and I loved that series immediately as well. UFO and Thunderbirds remain my two favourites to this day. I just finished Pod 14, and in that episode you actually asked the question do people like the live-action and the puppetry shows just as much as each other, and I thought, uh, well, there's an answer for you. But I can't really call myself a Jerry Anderson fan, as besides a few episodes of Fireball XL5, the aforementioned 4 series are all I saw until very recently. I don't know what made me look for a Thunderbirds podcast, but I found this one quite recently and I'm delighted I did. I started from the beginning and I'm now halfway through pod 15, so I've got a long way to go. I'm loving the interviews, I get a huge kick out of the randomizer, and I'm so happy that Jerry's work is still being celebrated today and that you are continuing it with Firestorm. I just saw the mini-sode and loved it. Most of all, the podcast opened my eyes to just how large the Jerry Anderson universe actually is. I decided to watch more of Jerry's work, and wasn't really sure where I wanted to start. And almost as though I had my own randomizer, YouTube popped up one of your Primer videos for a series I'd only ever heard the name of, and knew nothing about. And so I decided to start there. Perhaps a slightly odd starting point, but I'm enjoying it. The series? The Secret Service. I'm nine episodes in, and love seeing how Jerry's work evolved in different ways. I think the show's a lot of fun, and although I can understand the issues people raised about it, it stands up well amongst the other shows I know. I'm looking forward to finishing that, and then whatever I choose to watch next. I still love Thunderbirds most of all, though. I recently acquired the De 1 144th scale Thunderbird 2, and I'm very excited to assemble that, and put it in pride of place on my nerd shelf. I'm also a huge board game enthusiast, running my own solitaire board gaming podcast, Twitch stream, and YouTube channel, called Once Upon a Die, if you don't mind me plugging my work, and I had great fun playing Matt Leacock's Thunderbirds board game on stream and sharing my love of the franchise with my audience as I did so. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I'm loving the podcasts, and I look forward to the many, many episodes I have ahead of me, as well as discovering all the Jerry Anderson work that I hadn't heard of before now. Take care, stay safe in this crazy world we're in right now, and all the very best. Thank you, David. Lovely, thank very you. Very nice to
3: hear from you. Very crystal clear recording as well.
0: Yes, it's was great, is not it? Uh, and a final email from Matthew who says, Hello Jamie and Richard, or Richard and Jamie, depending on who's reading this. Well, that'll be me. Uh, he says, I really enjoyed hearing that archive recording of the 1980s Anderson event from a couple of pods ago. It was wonderful to hear so many of the talented team talk about their time on the shows. I have also been enjoying the new series of Century 21 Tech Talks. My favourite so far is the episode about Battlehawk. I also, he says, have a merchy, merch, merch, merch idea. I got Jerry Anderson's biography for christmas and i was wondering with anderson entertainment producing quite a few audio books at the moment would they consider doing one for this book uh, i think this would make quite a good listen as it's a story of the man who started it all and finally he says i have a question for richard did you ever meet the actor who revoiced voiced orin on space precinct fab sig 1010 and that's from matthew uh, yes you, i did yeah i met um it was kieran jakinis wasn't it i'm sure i met him a few times certainly at the rap party I should imagine I might even have met him since I don't know, we're friends on Facebook so yes, I'm sure I met Kieran at some point point. and uh, Jamie, how about an audiobook of the uh, Jerry Anderson autobiography uh, rather
3: So the most recent version the copyright is co-owned by BBC Books which automatically uh, uh, makes it difficult, Yeah. but it is uh, something, a, a new biography or an updated biography is something
0: that we are actively investigating Great I shall good. say no more. Yeah, fantastic. So there we are. Do drop us a line, podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk, and I will try and read out your email next time. Blimey neck. That was a lot yeah. of emails. Oh, I know. Well, I thought we'd pack them all in.
3: Yeah, nicely packed. Thanks. And that's given me a good rest before we go into this week's Jerry Anderson News. <gasps> Yay! It's the Jerry Anderson... Newsy, news, news, news. Very good, thank you very much. And, Richard, let's start with some anniversarial news. <laughs> oh, OK. Is that the right adjective? It'll do. So this week, on Thursday, the 28th of January, it's the 60th anniversary of the first transmission of Supercar. Sixty years, Ooh, extraordinary! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I mean, it's quite something. Now, it marked the beginning, really, of the Supermarionation era. Mm-hmm. Marked a decade of, uh, of Supermarionation shows, running right up to the Secret Service. But we shall not say too much about that. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of things happening to celebrate. If you are planning on buying a DVD or Blu-ray of some of the Anderson Supermarination shows, may I suggest that you potentially hold off until this coming Thursday? Because I believe Um, a friendly company that do a lot of Anderson physical media uh, might be doing a special uh, Supermarination sale. Really? Yeah, I think that might be an exclusive and I may have breached some confidentiality or something. But uh, <laughs> yes. yes, I believe there is a sale coming there. Mm-hmm. So you can go and okay. pick up any missing Super Marination Blu-ray and DVD titles that they that they offer. Also, we are doing something rather special, which is a limited edition Supercar 60th anniversary treasury box. Oh, Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yes. I, yeah, I know you're very excited, post uh, Now, the Treasury box is limited to, to just 300 units worldwide. It's a lovely presentation box containing a recovered, specially recovered, limited edition uh, Supercar DVD box set, replica pilot's license and badge, as were produced for <laughs> Supercar Club in the 1960s. Nice. And four uh, newly commissioned art cards... From a couple of artists yet to be announced but i'm sure you can guess who at least one of them is mm-hmm. they're rather lovely actually i'll just say it's it's got cool. lee sullivan and tim yeah. Keeble, the two artists yeah, lovely they've, they've done great. lovely lovely stuff so it's a great little box and uh, it goes on pre-sale on the 60th anniversary day and there will be some more supercari things happening through the year i think now when there's an, when there's an anniversary we're going to sort of say it's the anniversary year rather than Hang everything uh-huh. on the day So there's more I to see. come yep. But uh, the Treasury enough. Box will Great. kick us off this week If you want to come right up to date Or almost right up to date Terrorhawks is on Amazon oh, yeah. Prime Is it now? And it's created quite a stir <laughs>
0: That's it I
3: can't believe it I mean, social media is awash with mentions of Terrorhawks Oh The Terrorhawks Twitter robot Keeps breaking because there's so many mentions And um, I've seen the stats from Amazon Prime And it's it's being watched an astronomical number of times How interesting one of the most popular titles on Amazon Prime Would you believe How interesting Well that bodes well doesn't it it, Jake? It does bode rather well indeed Yes. So if you would like to watch all of Terrorhawks And you have an Amazon Prime video account Then well you can do it and go watch it for free whenever you like
0: yeah, or sign up for a free month. That's what I offer. Oh do. yeah,
3: or sign up for the yeah. free month. We're not, no, we're, exactly. we're not, you know, overly supporting Amazon here. I'm just saying it's there. No, no, so no. There you yeah. Go. Now, if you have ordered a 1612 comlock and stun gun set, mm. please be aware that due to COVID problems in China, the shipment of them has been delayed. So oh. we're now looking at the second half of March for delivery. I'm very sorry about that, but uh, it's completely out of our hands. Um, delays and Chinese New Year and ports being closed I mean there's congestion on the way out of China, there's congestion on the way into the UK and yeah. it's all rather difficult at the moment but they will be on their way soon and they do look rather blooming lovely. So um, Great. there you go, there's those. Uh, and finally, there's going to be some flash sales coming up in the next couple of weeks um, and uh, I suggest strongly that if you're looking for something like uh, a Jerry Anderson jigsaw puzzle perhaps, you may want to keep mm-hmm. an eye on the website and uh, social media because there'll be quick, deep-discounted flash sales and we expect things to sell out fairly quick. We're making way for some rather cool stuff, as, uh, again, Ah, as you know, Dickie James, (laughs) as you know. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, all that, that quite mixed bag of everything from uh, 1961 to, well, right now, brings us to the end of this week's Gerry Anderson News.
0: That was the news, up-to-date news. <laughs> it's always there. up-to-date, that's the point of the I know, but news. We were really sort of
3: spanning the decades there, I like we, that. Yeah, it's you're good. right, we went, we, we went across the decades, it's very exciting.
0: Yeah, and also with the news of Terrorhawks doing so well on Amazon Prime there, also perhaps reaching a little bit into the future, what with the uh, oh. forthcoming reboot. Who you know? could say? Who could mm. say? Who could possibly say? Now, a couple more things just before we move on. A special mention to Scott Bicklecky, who sent me a lovely link to his film Parker in Need, for Children in Need reenacted, which is quite fun. Head on over to YouTube and find it there. He's basically taken a a Parker in Need sketch, which was produced for Children in Need some time ago. And And, uh, he's animated it with his... uh, There you are, yes. And uh, Scott's animated it with his uh, Thunderbirds character, dolls and marionettes and so on. It's all good fun. And finally, for now, I must just mention Jason Krasucki, who was uh, uh, one of the lead editors on Space Precinct alongside Sue Robinson, who sadly died in the last week or so, rather shockingly. So I just want to reach out to his friends and family and uh, all who ever worked with him and uh, just send them my best wishes. He won various BAFTA and uh, Emmy Award nominations throughout his career and worked on things like The Honourable Woman and uh, Jane Eyre, and recently on Safe House and Even I May Destroy You, really current stuff. But, of course, I spent a year with him at Pinewood, both Charlotte and I, on Space Precinct. So we send all our love and best wishes to his, to his friends and family. Yeah, absolutely. Very sad stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, moving over to Twitter now, uh, people have been hashtagging us Jerry Anderson podcast. Uh, they've been tagging him. I'm Jamie Anderson, me Richard N James, and uh, him over there. Oh, look, he's just uh, dangling his feet in that lovely pool by his on. Uh Chris Darlick. For example, Jeff Owen says, "Hi all. I've been having a conversation about Jerry Anderson classics with a colleague who's just discovered the Secret Service on BritBox. Mm. This is amazing. All these Jerry Anderson shows are cropping up all over the place, aren't they?" Jeff says I told him about Candy and Andy and he wants to know if they were named after Candy Darling and Andy Warhol. Apologies if you've already mentioned this before on the pod. Jamie, do you know about that? Uh, Well, I have a
3: fascinating and uh, rather detailed answer about this. Oh great! and uh, that
0: is that uh, I have absolutely no idea I'm afraid sorry about that <laughs> okay well, there we are Peter Dernan posted on Twitter that a Gerry Anderson connection appeared on the Only Connect wall the other Ooh. night and I got it I don't know if you're familiar with Only Connect but they have a round where they have uh, seemingly random words placed on a, a wall that I think is four by four and you have to arrange them into particular groups under various categories and subjects and amongst those uh, 16 words were the names Joe Penelope Marina and Virgil, all of course, Supermarionation characters. Excellent. Sing. Carl posted a picture of his latest addition to uh, uh, to his Pride and Joy. It's a fireball theme uh, on a forty five inch single, uh, and he posted a picture credited to Don Spencer and the XL Five with Barry Gray and his Space Makers. But Jamie, can you tell me what was the B side?
3: Oh, mm. I mean it's on the Jerry Anderson store, so I should know, but I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Zero G. Oh, that was it, yeah. Yeah? I don't know it. Is it good? Um, I don't know either. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, Ride Theory posted on Twitter, if I lived in the Supermarination universe, I would never, ever take the maiden voyage of any passenger vehicle. (laughs) Uh, To which our very own Chris Dale replied, but surely the jolly, brassy music as it rolled out for the first time would convince you that nothing could possibly go wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't trust it. Yeah. Not sure it works that way, but okay. (laughs) <laughs> so, all for now, but do tag us hashtag Jerry Anderson podcast, and I'll read out your tweets next time. Oh, is that it? Yes. Oh, That's sorry. <laughs> I was, come
3: on. Uh, well, I was distracted because, you know, the, the meeting that I told you was oh, being booked for... Yeah, yeah, it's, they, yeah. it's just... The date's just come through and it's... Uh, oh, OK. Oh. It's really soon. Eek! Oh, good, good, anyway, good. Yes. moving on. Uh, mm-hmm. Last week... I spoke to the rather lovely Catherine Shell, who you might know best yes. as Maya from se- yes. uh, Series 2 of Space 1999, although yep. she was in Series 1 as well. You also know her from some other cult stuff, including City of Death, the Doctor Who story. Yes, Doctor Who, yeah. Although mm-hmm. I think, as we covered last week, or maybe we're about to this week, she doesn't really remember a huge amount about that, um, if no. anything at all, but such is life. Fair. Anyway. We're coming back down to Earth now from Space 1999 with Catherine talking about uh, her later career, um, her decision to sort of pack it all in, um, how she ended up doing some bits and pieces on Dracula, and sort yep. of final thoughts and reflections on all things Space 1999. So um, here we go, Catherine Shell, part two. So that if, if that made you the, the Joker, Catherine, what, what were your other cast members like? What was the the sort of
5: atmosphere like between cast and crew on on year two it was it was wonderful it was wonderful i mean you could hardly have had a better time and it came from the top obviously you know uh, martin landau was adorable he was completely adorable you know she was very nice as well barbara Mm. but you know she was a bit i don't know i would explain Her behavior as being more of a star.
3: Yes. Uh,
5: Martin was with us, sort of laughing with us, making us laugh. He had Mm. the most wonderful sense of humor. And, um, you know, and she was the lady. uh, So we had to be very, you know, respectful and all of that. I mean, she was a nice person in actual fact. But, you know, you just had that feeling that uh, she was the queen and we were, you know, just little minions running around. I'm being cruel in that natural fact. It's not really true. I do know that in her contract, she demanded things about me that I was never allowed to appear as Catherine Schell. I was always Maya. I was always a, uh, when I say as Catherine Schell, you know, she was a, I could change into anything. She was a metamorph. Mm. So I could have changed into a human you know, if I wanted to. Ah, And I think she was, yeah, she was being absolutely clear that I was never to appear as myself on the screen. And on one occasion, I did. Somehow, one of the script writers didn't realize that this was in the, you know, in a contract. And at the very end of a particular episode, I go to visit Tony Verdeshi, in a hospital room he was injured and i come to visit him and he's looking at on his bed there were all these magazines and you know which is sort of reading through and many of them have catherine shell uh you know pictures of me and he's looking at them and i you know what are you doing with that? He said, oh, you know what? Oh, she's, she's, she's really lovely, isn't she? She's wonderful. And I turn to him and I say, well, you know, what taste you have. And I'm still Maya. I'm still an alien. Say, what taste you have? Well, I'll show you. And I turn myself into Catherine Shell, Walk out of the room. You know, you think this is good. You must be joking. And anyway, I leave. I walk out and barbara saw that in you know uh, when they're watching the repeat not repeats what is it called uh, it's so long uh, ago rushes. the rushes the mm. rushes yes uh the, the weeds. or the the weeds the rushes <laughs> anyway. and she said no 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 she is never ever allowed to that was in her contract ever allowed to be catherine shell ever only maya always so it was cut. The scene was cut, wow. which is a bit sad, you know. But never, nevertheless, this is the power that she had, yeah. and the you know it was in her contract. I found that really weird that Catherine Shell is never allowed to be anything but Maya in the uh, in the series. Yeah. Anyway, never mind.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's flattery, really, isn't it, Catherine? Because I, I guess that that must represent. You know, jealousy
5: on Barbara's front, uh, you know, uh, you that... know I don't know if it was really jealousy because I mean, in a way, she was also being for her own sake, professional. She didn't really want me to play the part because, as she said, we were very similar. I mean, I was much younger, but nevertheless, we were similar in type. Hmm. and again, I mean, this is in the book. Where I'm uh, coming in to see your father and about to do some kind of a, yes, I was going into makeup, They were, you know, testing for different kinds of looks for her as an alien. I always knew I was going to play an alien, you know. And so going into the studio, doing a little screen test with whatever makeup, you know, that I had at the moment. So anyway, this is one she said, never, ever is Mm. she allowed to even for a minute appear as Catherine shell in the thing so the scene was cut mm. you know i mean i still go and visit him in the in the hospital bed well not in the bed but you know <laughs> in <the building>. nearby <laughs> yeah exactly but i don't uh, i don't appear to him as catherine shell yeah so you know anyway that well, was just one of the experiences yeah i mean i i
3: I heard an archive bit of recording with dad recently where he was talking to his biographer many years ago and um he said in that how difficult he found that issue with barbara where she insisted on this contractual thing and how brilliant and kind and professional you were in the way that you handled that potential conflict so i think he you know whether it was spoken at the time or not he clearly was appreciative of your
5: professionalism Well, I mean, to tell you the truth, in a way, I understood, Mm. you know, she's the star of it. And I was there when there were, you know, uh, film was being taken of other people who could have come. You know, I was not at that time uh, yet uh, contracted. Yeah. And she wanted to have, uh, if there was going to be an alien, she wanted an alien much, much uh, different to herself. Mm. So, you know, uh, while makeup was being put on me because I was having tests, you know, uh, I saw all these women arriving with sort of different makeup and they were all completely different. They were black, they were brownish black, they were Chinese, they were Japanese, they were everything but, you know, not what Barbara would look like. Sure, And so, you know, that's why in her contract, it actually said that Catherine Schell must never look like Catherine Schell. <laughs> and for that scene, when I left, I, le- you know, I turned myself into Catherine Schell. Yeah. Maya could turn herself into anybody, of you course. know, so she decided, oh, I'm going to be Catherine Schell. And she really took against that. And the scene was cut. Yeah. That particular part of the scene anyway was cut. Yeah. So... Uh, that was, you know, never mind. I mean, we all got along on the set and whatever uh, she was. She had power. Yeah, and she had the power to to be able to do that. And I wonder sometimes, well, we, we were, you know, quite similar types. She was older than I was, obviously, but we were similar types. And I think she was very against the fact that there would be two similar types doing yeah. And that is why a lot of the makeup was done as it was done. Because, you know, I had to be very, very different from Mm. her. So, you know, all these, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, looked like sideburns uh, coming down my cheeks. You know, that was all to to differentiate Mm. from her. So Mm. anyway. It
3: certainly worked. Uh, I mean, you, you are... Uh, Whenever we we ask the fans about Year Two of Space Nineteen Ninety Nine, you are pretty much universally the highlight and the most remembered element of that that season. The years were very different from one another. So, was there any sense when you were making that that Year Two series, Catherine, that things had changed for the better, for the worse? Was there any sense in in what the audience response might be like?
5: Or was it just a job that you all enjoyed and got on with? I think it was just, to, you know, it was very much a job that we all got on with. It's, uh, you know, we all, we had such a happy atmosphere, in actual hmm. fact, on the set. We all got along. I mean, you know, Barbara had her, you know, issues, as it were, but she was never unpleasant. She was always pleasant. And uh, you know uh, he was wonderful. So was Tony. You know it was it was a very happy uh, a happy experience. Now, that's makeup
3: making you alien, Catherine. Your biography is a constant alien, and I have read yeah. multiple times that that is how you consider yourself. What does that mean, and why?
5: Well, um, because I've lived in so many countries, mm. I've had to adapt. Because I've been an alien, you know, from the time we left Hungary. When I was a child, four years old, I was an alien in Salzburg. I was an alien in America. Then I was an alien when we left America and I came to live in Germany. Then I was an alien, you know, when I went to England. Well, I wrote the book. No, I was I was here when I wrote the book. So I was an alien here in France (laughs) as well. So that is why really A Constant Alien, uh, that's why the title, which was uh, in a way perfect, because I wasn't just playing an alien, I actually was an alien. If you took the other sense of the word, you know, mm. an alien in, in a strange country. You
3: have not just been part of the the Anderson wo- uh, universe, of course, for, for cult TV. Listeners may know you from appearances in The Sweeney and the persuaders i think you're in as well but yeah possi- the persuaders possibly you're sort of uh, one of the key things that that our listeners certainly will rem- remember you for is your appearance in um, in doctor who city of death
5: Oh um, right, okay.
3: Uh now you
5: never you didn't, you didn't mention the return of the Pink Panther.
3: Oh, the return of the Pink Panther 2, was... uh return of the saint as well, it right? It was the
5: return. Yeah, yeah, but I mean the return was a big film. So
3: anyway, yeah. no, go on. Oh, no! <laughs> purely because of its sort of cult TV credentials. You know, I would say that at the time Space 1999 uh, and Doctor Who were sort of two of the big the big hitters. Certainly, Absolutely. Doctor Who and everything Anderson. So you were ticking some boxes there, moving from the sort of ITV series to the BBC. How did the experience of working on Doctor Who compare to that of Space Nineteen Ninety
5: Nine? Well, first of all, Space went on for quite a long time. In Doctor <laughs> Who, I think, we did it in two weeks or yeah. something. So, and I mean, you know, also the parts were completely different. No, but I, I like the experience very much. Uh, I like the people that I was working with. No, uh, you know, I can't say really a great deal about it, you know, especially as far as being different. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's a different experience, but uh, I saw, I don't know, you know, I saw space as a completely different thing to, to Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah. No, and, and totally understandably, so post-Space
3: 1999, you were in many bits and pieces. You've done a, a lot of acting since then. So what, what took you to a point where, well, I suppose, I mean, I had, I had read, and I'm sure when we spoke, you had considered really that you had retired somewhat from acting in the early 2000s, I guess. So what, what took you to that
5: point? And then what brought you back for, uh, for Dracula? Well, I, you know, we moved from England in 95 so you know i had stopped working virtually i was being offered stuff but it really wasn't worth anything and the saddest point was that my husband who uh, you know he was a very well known director and he had stopped working as well so we really we had uh, a choice we'd already bought the house here in france doing another job in france and, you know, we just had to make a decision that if we sold the flat that we were living in, in in London, we'd have made quite a good amount of money, which we thought we could then invest into the property in uh, in France to make it bigger and, uh, and do something else, uh, not have to depend on, you know, on the vagaries of, uh, of uh, you know, of the film industry. Mm. You know, he was a ver- very well-known director. He was out of work. I was, you know, pretty well-known actress. I was out of work. And it's just, you know, business changes. Mm. The business changes. And I thought, well, you know, I can survive. I've been an alien everywhere. <laughs> so, you know, I can survive here. Uh, you know, quickly, uh, as a Hungarian, we tend to have a, a, a talent with language because nobody speaks Hungarian, so You have to then learn other languages. So I seem to learn French quite quickly. And I said, we will, you know, we'll move to France. We have the house. We will, you know, build it up a bit more and we will do a bed and breakfast. Mm. And that is, uh, you know, that is what brought us here. Yeah. You know, and life had changed to to such an extent, but you then you don't miss anything because of that because you're you're so concentrating with the present that you don't actually think of the past anymore mm. uh you' become a different person altogether, yeah so anyway, how lucky you know how lucky that we had this to be able to you know, uh, to to lean on, as it were, to yeah. take advantage of that, even though we were no longer acting, I mean, he wasn't directing, I was no longer acting, we were nevertheless, we were still uh, existing really quite well. And while that was happening, there's still the persistent uh,
3: interest and love of Space 1999, which, you know, has brought you to this podcast and it's brought you to a constant string of conventions so, despite the fact that you sort of you, you know you moved on uh, really and moved away from it, it is a constant part of your life, which you know is inescapable. How do you feel about that being such a long-lasting part of your uh, of your life, even though really it was a a relatively small part of it so
5: far? Well, I mean uh, I feel very grateful you know, because I, I can thank a lot of things. I, I love going back to England and doing the autographs and whatever, those big conventions. Mm. And that is mainly due to to space. I think uh, the return of the Pink Panther also, because I'm quite well known for that as well. Uh, you know, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to have done it. And you know, I don't know what to say. I've, <laughs> I'm I'm a happy person. I'm a very happy person.
3: <laughs> I, and can, I awesome. can
5: tell that. I'm also very lucky and blessed, you know, because in the end, I didn't do that much towards my future. I just accepted this mm. is what you have to do. Aren't you lucky to be asked to do these things? And, you know, you're earning money. Uh, I'm talking about then you know, uh, you should be very happy. And I was. I didn't, I had nothing to do with where my career was going to go (laughs) or with how I was going to be remembered. I had nothing to do with that at all. I just allowed it all to happen. And I was extremely fortunate that even, you know, that you are talking to me today today. Uh, you wouldn't be if you didn't know me so all all of that is uh you know I'm just uh I thank the stars for you know for my life and how it turned out it's lovely there's a lovely sense of
3: you know accepting and enjoying what is and there's a lot a lot of people who get to a certain point in their career and, and are frustrated but I don't detect that at all from you Catherine which is really lovely if um if people want to learn more obviously we should we should recommend that they read your autobiography a constant alien which we've already mentioned am i right in saying you have another book out as well currently do i i'm I'm thinking when god was out to lunch
5: oh yes of course of course but uh in actual fact when god was out to lunch was before a constant alien oh was it i didn't realize that i thought they were the other way around
3: so the other book, what's what's the main theme of of when God was out to lunch? Then, if it's uh, you know, if it if it precedes a constant alien,
5: But maybe it doesn't. My God, you really got me there. Uh, <laughs> well, it's I think the yeah, subtitle no, is they, beginning they, a new life oh, no, in France, so it must be earlier. I think no, it's the other way. I think a constant alien was written before when God was okay. out to lunch. I think I was then asked to write when god was out to lunch mm. afterwards at least there are two books in
3: existence which chart your uh, your career and your life so anyone who's interested to learn more should obviously go and um, and pick those up and catherine once all this uh, terrible covid stuff is is over can we expect you to still be attending conventions and coming and meeting fans because I, th- I think anyone who's not met you so far would love to do so if they get the opportunity
5: I think so. Yes, absolutely. I I mean, uh, at the moment, obviously, one can't, it's very difficult. But yeah, once it's all over with, and hopefully it will be maybe next year once the vaccines come in. uh, Yeah, absolutely. I shall come, I shall say hello to everybody. (laughs) I shall shake their hands. <laughs> and not have to wash up afterwards. <laughs> so
3: Perfect. Uh, and Catherine, finally, before we just close things out, is there anywhere on online where people should follow you or keep up with your latest um, uh, news or anything like that? Do you have a Facebook page or a website? Or- yes,
5: I do. I have a Facebook page, but I have to admit that I go on it very rarely. Okay, it's not my thing, but it is there. It was set up by a very good friend. And so I do go on to it every now and again. But, you know, don't expect, you know, that I'll be on and answering absolutely everything and whatever. Some people spend a lot of time on that. And I just, you know, it's I don't know. It's not my thing. Not my thing, but I do do it. I do do it and I'm very grateful. Yeah. So from
3: time to time, you can find Catherine on, on Facebook. Catherine, thank you so much for your time. I've really, really enjoyed chatting. And hopefully our paths will cross properly in 2021.
5: Yes, I hope so too. And it was lovely talking to you as well. You're a sweet guy.
3: <laughs> uh, in that case, I shall say, bless you, Catherine. That's very kind of you to say.
5: <laughs> bless uh, you too, my dear. Bless you.
3: Oh, Catherine was a so nice. a treat yeah what lovely. a nice lady and um yes. thank you to anders who uh, helped us arrange that as catherine's mm-hmm. agent mm-hmm. and uh, if you want to get catherine's book a constant alien uh you can just search online for it i think it's phantom publishing isn't it but uh, have a look or when nice. gob was out to lunch her second book about uh, moving to france oh. yeah all interesting great. stuff and um yes, yeah thanks very. catherine for taking the time and uh connecting with me via skype Now, Richard, this may not mean very much to uh, our non-UK listeners, Mm -hmm. but if I said knock on wood, what would you say to me?
0: Knock on wood? I'd say, what was her name? Was it Amy Charles? Uh, I think it was.
3: um, David Bowie did a version? He may well have done. I'm thinking specifically Mm -hmm. of a series of mildly uh, unpopular, possibly, uh, television um,
0: adverts, (laughs) From the last
3: few not years. On wood.
0: Oh, is it the Oak Furniture Land? It is the Oak Furniture Commotions. Land adverts. Oh, now I, feel... I have a friend who did one of those. It's interesting, isn't it? Oh, oh. D- d- yeah. D- d- what's your friend called? He's called Peter. Peter Prentice. Oh,
3: so not Stephen Critchlow then, who is our uh, our guest next week? <laughs> uh,
0: no, unfortunately not.
3: Yeah, well, Stephen uh, has done a lot of voice work, a lot of radio work, a lot of theatre work. He's um, uh-huh. he's a lovely chap, and he's a massive fan. And um, ah. we've been talking for a while About various bits and pieces Including some uh, some audio work And uh, we thought we'd yeah. get him on So uh, of course he's not best known For those Oak Furniture Land adverts But if you have seen them He's the sort of boss At the furniture store guy Oh yes,
0: gotcha But oh, he's
3: also right. been in Torchwood and Doctor Who For Big Finish And mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of other stuff too So you'll, you'll recognise him If you see his picture Anyway, Stephen Critchlow Next week And then beyond that Goodness me, I mean We're talking to writers uh, deep yes. sea explorers um really? uh, i mean it, it, yeah sublime
0: to the sublimer yeah <laughs> yes that's very good <laughs> a sub liner if they're deep sea uh, no yeah i think uh, it's time we moved on anyway thank you cat and
3: shell and right. uh next Fair week Stephen thanks
0: uh, right, well, I'm going to head on over to our Facebook page then, or Facebook group. Uh, that's at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons, where Chris Dale posted just this week. If anyone was wondering how close Jamie was with his estimate of it taking 46 hours to listen to the whole randomizer up to pod 136, well, Jamie, your guess was just about five hours short of the Ooh. actual current running time of 50 wow. hours, 49 minutes, and five seconds. So that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty close. Well, you see, I was cutting off the uh, introductions. Yes. Oh, I see. Of course you are. Uh, yeah. Thomas Keller posted, uh, thank you so much for your interview with Catherine Schell. Uh, like many men of a certain age, I fell head over heels in love with Maya whilst watching Space 1999, no. and I'm delighted that the actress playing her is so wonderful. Thanks again. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Uh, yes, that's Martin it. Smith. Hello, my fellow Podders. He says, I've been watching this evening a David Essex film called Silver Dream Racer that I bought on Blu-ray. It was interesting to note that it was based on a story by a certain... Michael Billington, who also helped write the screenplay. It also starred Ed Bishop as Al Peterson, who managed Transworld Racing. A nice UFO connection there. Certainly well spotted. And finally, Simpsons Clips posted, so after listening to the Protectors episode on this week's Randomizer, it reminded me of something I read once. Apparently, as well as the two seasons it already had, the Protectors was planned to have a third season as well. However, it was cancelled when the show's sponsor, Brute Aftershave, pulled its funding. Which makes me wonder, did it get as far as the script stage? And if so, could they be adapted for Big Finish? Mm -hmm. chris dale about those scripts chris dale over to (laughs) you that's right (laughs) exactly yeah Uh, would people be interested in a new protectors series from big finish do you think Uh, i mean who knows uh, yeah is that some tumbleweed there (laughs) i think it might be yes uh so yes all for now do pop on over to facebook uh, if you're subscribed to it or what's a member what what are you if you're you've got an account yeah yeah, that'll do. And just uh, head on over to the uh, facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash answer a few questions. Uh, we'll let you in and you can join in with their quiz nights and their watch-alongs and just join in the fun. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, while you're waiting for your application
3: to be approved to join the Facebook yeah. group, may I suggest yeah. you tune into this week's randomizer, which is coming up momentarily. Ah, good idea. If you don't yeah. know what it is... Uh, Chris hmm. Dale, who is now just adjusting his toga and uh, making his way yes, over to the microphone you. Uh, It's okay, so
0: Chris. Oh, God. It's Sorry. all right. He's, <clears throat> he's
3: tucked that bit yeah. in now. So <laughs> Chris watches a random Jerry Anderson episode as chosen by his amazing randomizer machine and uh, gives us his thoughts and comments. And he's about to do that any second. Now? Now. Oh, good.
6: Better tell one of those
3: astronauts to get those aerial photos in here fast. That's the first thing
7: he'll ask for. The second thing, Space Tracker Harrington. The first thing is for one of you lovely Moonbase ladies to press the button on the randomizer for me. Oh, uh, Jonah, I hope you don't mind. Marina couldn't find her Moonbase uniform and purple wig, so she's borrowing one of your spares. Yes, sir. As am I, actually. You probably won't be able to use this one again, but- How's the flight? Oh, not too bad, thanks. Yes, we crashed in a crater not too far from here, but it shouldn't be a long repair job. Now, which of you would like to press the button today? Nina? Uh, well... Or gay? How would you feel about making today's selection? Fine, thanks. Oh, excellent. Well, if you'd like to just... Red alert.
6: Red alert. Confirm unidentified
2: flying object.
7: Excuse me, sir.
5: This is moon Moonbase Control.
7: Red... Oh, can I do it? I mean, c- can I say it? Oh, just this once, please. I mean, I may never get another chance. If you insist. Oh, thank you. Right, let's see. <clears throat> Red alert, red alert. Interceptors, immediate launch. Huh, huh, yeah. And I assume they just, uh, they just sort that out now. Ah, well that's done anyway. Where were we? Oh, the randomizer, yes. Uh, Gay? I'll sort things out. That's it, thank you very much. Oh, and by the way, Lieutenant, what's your favorite kind of bird? Bird, blackbird. Oh, yes, they're quite sweet. I've always liked sparrows myself, but still, that's a good choice. And there's the printout if you'd like to pass it over.
5: That's it, don't lose
7: it. Oh no, I wouldn't do that. I see it's Captain Scarlet today.
5: Yes, it is. Yes,
7: not seen him for quite a while on the Randomizer. Well, oh, thank you very much, Gay.
2: Pleasure.
7: And by the way, did the Interceptors take care of that UFO okay?
2: Negative. It's through.
7: Well, there's a surprise.
2: Well, I can do with a cup of coffee. I'm going to take a break.
7: And I've got an episode to watch. Here's the trap. Uh-oh. Um, Joan, I've, I've torn your suit. Joan! Leading the fight, one man
1: fate has made indestructible. His name, Captain Scarlet.
7: So, welcome back to the randomizer after an absence of, I believe, more than half a year. It's Captain Scarlet.
1: The storm's getting worse.
7: The original, you might say. Where's that beautiful escort of ours now? Right. I'm here, sir. Oh, you mean her flying the xqr through a storm and who's escorting it it's good old melody angel um this is probably her most notable appearance in the series she features in this one quite prominently
4: cloud base in five minutes xqr if we ever make it
7: along with symphony i love the 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 rain flecks of rain on um on um, the cockpit there they really do a good job of establishing that visibility is is very poor through this storm. Oh, and that's the XQR hit. Melody kind of thinks she maybe saw something. You just about see it going down.
2: From Angel 2. XQR from Angel 2. Do you read me?
7: Uh, yeah, can it wait? We're kind of on fire right now. Oh dear, we're going down. This is uh, Commodore Goddard and his um, nameless pilot. I don't think he has a name. And uh, it doesn't matter now anyway because they are both dead. But of course, this being Captain Scarlet, we have this lovely pan across the, the wreckage. And the bodies slumped amid the debris. Blood? Do we have blood? We have blood coming from Commodore Goddard's mouth and hands. Ah. I've missed you, Captain Scarlet. I've missed your random acts of cruelty. We know that you can and here comes an interesting line. Because it's the only time in the series we'll to should I let them carry on with their threat? Are you least Let's let them carry on with their threat.
1: At the appointed hour, as the clock
7: is chiming, the wings of the world will be clipped. Oh, there you go. That's nice and vague. Yeah, Um. we are transmitting on all your radio and television frequencies. I was never clear with this show, or indeed the uh, CGI show, to what extent the general public knew anything about the Mistrons. In this show, it's definitely never said one way or the other, except there... Where they clearly say we are broadcasting on all TV and radio, so I guess the whole world must know about the Mistroms. You would think it might be a bit more of a problem keeping the uh, the civilian population in line, knowing that there's uh, are, a race of aliens living on Mars who want to exterminate humanity itself. But um,
6: contact from this end.
7: I guess. I don't know. I don't know how they resolve that problem.
6: Still, no word from Commodore Goddard's plane since they hit that freak storm, sir. Right, we'll give them three more minutes. If they haven't answered by then...
2: XQR calling CloudBase. XQR calling...
7: Three more minutes? That's a very arbitrary number there, Colonel.
6: Commodore will have the security meeting as soon as he's touched down. Very good, sir.
7: And something else I find odd... Well, actually, there's an odd moment in this scene here. As the plane lands, we get this long zoom in on Commodore Goddard's pilot not commodore goddard himself who's the main villain for this episode but uh, but the pilot
6: have you finished your report yet melody
7: but also i found with this episode you know I... the sound particularly on colonel white's dialogue
6: you are hit by lightning remember you said visibility was practically zero i know
4: but
7: sounds a bit it sounds like a bit of a different quality particularly with colonel white
4: the commodore has gone straight to discuss the international air conference with colonel white
7: gentlemen
1: i guess you all know why i asked for this meeting to put you in the picture about the forthcoming air conference
7: i also love it with this show how many times the mistrons you know threatened to destroy cloud base or in uh, like operation time they sent uh, dr magnus to try and sabotage cloud base
1: this is where we come in
7: then they have episodes like this where they get a mistron agent aboard cloud base
1: firstly I have changed the location
7: of the conference and we just sit down and have a chat with him and then he leaves cloud base having attempted nothing
1: would least expect it and where is that to be commodore the loneliest spot in europe colonel glengarry castle a castle
7: you would think that whatever plans the mistrons have if they get an agent aboard cloud base they should take the most of that opportunity and uh, do some real damage but uh, clearly they don't we're more interested in uh, Setting up a conference at this lovely Scottish castle. Yes, it's another Scotland episode. But uh, I think possibly my favourite of the uh, the Scotland-based trilogy or quadrilogy or whatever it might be.
1: Thank you, Morton. This
2: will be ideal for our uh, little gathering. Yes, it's an isolated sport. We never have visitors these days. Why is that, Morton? Oh, nobody likes me. Castles that have cornered the tourist market, I'm afraid. What's that over there? The last owners had that filled in, sir. There used to be a staircase leading up to the battlements. Nobody goes up there now. Well, if that's everything, I'll say good night. Good night.
7: I like this Morton character as well. Caretaker of the castle. It's something about the Jeremy Wilkin voice and the uh, the haggard look of the Robert Mitchum puppet work quite well together.
2: He's worked at the castle for years. Apart from Morton, there'll be no one else here except the delegates to the conference. They're going to be cleared at cloud base before flying out here in the morning. Good. And all that remains is for us to get a good night's sleep. Hmm.
7: But behind the painting... Oh, real human eyes are watching. Oh, no, I say human eyes, but the, uh, of course they're Mistron eyes. And the uh, green glow... You are clear for launch. Family establishes that. <laughs> Angel 2 Skyborne, sir.
4: Do you really think she'll find anything, sir?
6: I don't know, but I'm not going to take any risks. If there was anything in her report on the XQR, we've got to know the truth as soon as possible.
7: And of course, if I had my head screwed on properly, I would have said until we know that truth, we're not going to let the people who were on board the XQR, who may well now be Mistrons, take charge of any important delegates. But uh, I'm not feeling well today.
6: Ten of the world's top air chiefs gathered into one place. It would be a major disaster if the meeting were sabotaged. Mm. Lieutenant,
2: sir, put me through to Captain Scarlet right away. That's correct, sir. The castle is completely isolated. We'll maintain maximum security throughout the conference. Right, Captain Scarlet. I'll wait for your final clearance before allowing the delegates to land. SIG. This is
7: something I find very odd with this episode as well, and it happens a few times in Scarlet. We're going to maintain maximum security. How many agents are there? One, it's just Scarlet on his own, and it does make Spectrum look a bit foolish at times like this. No way up there, uh, Scarlet spotted someone up on the battlements.
6: The delegates are on board the MagnaCopter. All right, launch MagnaCopter.
7: You, you have a dozen people who need protection here from the Mistrons. Go. And you, you've got five captains and a seemingly endless army of disposable security guards. Maximum security. So often in this show amounted to one, possibly two people tops. Very strange. Anyway, we have a new vehicle to marvel over. This is the Magnacopter.
6: Magnacopter airborne, sir. Right. But I'm not going to let that aircraft touch down at the castle until Captain Scarlet gives me final clearance.
7: And I suppose Magnacopter is Latin for helicopter that you can fit more people in than the standard Spectrum copter. Uh, This is a vehicle... It doesn't carry any spectrum markings, oddly enough. We never see it again. Which is a shame, because it's quite a nice model. Scarlet is now having a look around the castle. Which is a very nice... ...series of interior sets here. Some lovely uh, decorations and such on the wall. And here's another... ...moment I find very strange with this episode. Close up on the... uh, ...on the doorknob... And then we cut to the other side. Doorknob turns. Who's going to come through the door? Who is going to come through the door? (gasps) It's Captain Scarlet. Who we saw, um, clearly saw approaching the door. And of course it would be him coming through the door. He's the only person in the building. I just love that. That triumphant little moment. Captain Scarlet, he walked through a door. Good for him now approaching the uh, the painting these nice suits of armor either side of it i feel this painting looks a bit like sylvester mccoy i don't know why but i've always felt that looking for a hidden entrance to the battlements he spotted someone up there earlier one suit of armor two suits of armor must be a hidden switch somewhere Press down on one of the suit of armor's hands. Don't move,
2: Captain Scarlet.
7: Reveals the co-pilot with a gun, and there's Goddard.
2: You! Melody was right. Something did happen to the XQR.
7: It's a good thing we didn't bring you to that conference like you wanted us to. Oh, no.
2: Before its execution.
7: You will
1: see now why I wanted to hold the air conference here. Tomorrow morning, on the stroke of ten, The entire supreme command of the World Air Force will
7: be wiped out
1: here in this room. It's a
7: very big gun they've got to do the job.
1: You are a remarkable man, Captain Scarlet, I know.
7: I've admired you from afar.
1: I intend to let you or Spectrum thwart my plan. Tomorrow at ten, those men will die.
7: Oh, if only we'd thought to bring more people than just one. Speaking of things I like about this episode, the score is phenomenal, and I believe this piece of music first appears here, I love this. I love this piece of music, the spectrum are doing heroic things. Yeah, I love that. You'd get that later in the series. You'd get that quite a bit with uh, like montages of lots of Spectrum vehicles doing things.
5: The sign of XQR. SIG, Melody. And
7: all it is is just the plane flying one way and then flying back the other way. But it's just yes. lovely.
6: I won't be satisfied until Captain Scarlet gives the clearance from the castle.
7: I'm never satisfied.
6: Talk of the devil. Oh, there he is. Go ahead,
2: Captain Scarlet. Colonel, I have to report complete security clearance on the conference centre. Oh,
7: but it's not him.
2: I'm glad to hear it. The conference can proceed as planned. Right. I'll give Symphony clearance to land immediately. Thank you, Colonel.
7: It's Godard doing a funny voice.
2: All right,
1: Holt. We will deal with Captain Scarlet later. Throw him in the dungeon
7: for the present. Then take up your position in the hall. Yes, uh, sir. Holt, that's the co-pilot's name. I thought it was Holt. And then I thought, no, that might be the character's name in... um. Inferno, because these two puppets appeared together in Inferno as well
4: in approximately three minutes
7: I'm not sure to what extent this castle model is um, repackaged from previous castle models and uh, the surrounding lake it was uh, 30 minutes after noon and Loch Ness Monster have we done all the, the Scottish episodes now? no, there must be more Scottishness to come, surely? Needless to say as well, but I'll say it anyway. This show still looks so lovely in HD. I'm still so impressed with what Network did with this. Uh Uh-oh. Melody spotted the wreckage of the XQR. Melody
6: Angel, are you quite certain about this?
2: Yes, sir. I have positively identified the markings on the crashed aircraft as those of the XQR. And there could have been no survivors.
6: There's only one explanation. We are idiots. must have been taken over by the Mistrons. Those delegates have walked straight into a trap.
7: Oh no! Be fair, you've escorted them straight into a trap. once. Oh, Spectrum Security is an absolute joke. Morton. I mean, not all the time, but in episodes like this, where the story jumps through so many hoops.
4: Well, if he doesn't show up.
7: To get characters where they need to be, and then they realize, oh, that thing that was blindingly obvious earlier was blindingly obvious the whole time. Maybe we should have done something about that. Oh, Spectrum. You're wonderful, but you're you're so useless. And now that Symphony Angel is at the castle, Spectrum's um expansive security force has been expanded by Well, it's doubled, does not it? But she's now caught in the master bedroom. It's no use,
6: sir. I'm getting no reply from either Captain Scarlet or Symphony Angel.
7: Did we really not send anyone else, Lieutenant? In blue.
6: Yes, sir. He must leave for Glengarry
7: immediately. What are the rest of them doing at times like this? I mean, is Aroker and Grey not there? I, I would assume that, you know, Magenta has superglued himself to a door or something, but... Uh... Like when and where
6: you least expect it, at the appointed hour, as the clock is chiming, the wings of the world will be clipped. It's all too obvious. Hmm. Bring the chiefs of the World Air Forces together in a lonely place and destroy them.
7: Had you forgotten that the Mistrons had made a threat then?
6: Almost 9.45, sir. The conference will start in 15 minutes.
7: That's another odd little moment. Um, yeah, it does sound like the colonel had almost forgotten that the Mistrons made a threat until he realised that all these um, Air Force chappies could represent the wings of the world. I'm not being very kind about this episode, and it's a shame because I really like it. I like how different it is. I love these, um, how atmospheric these sets are. Scarlet and uh, Symphony are now manacled to the wall of the dungeon here. It's just, Spectrum's security angle is so baffling to me. If there's any possible chance that Commodore, Goddard, and Holt were Mysterons, don't give them all these Air Force people to look after. Until you're at least sure, maybe send more than one person to do these important jobs as well. I'm just saying, Colonel White, you know, could do better. Suit vehicle A75, please. Fast.
2: Identification, please. Right away, sir.
7: There we go, the uh, SPV attendant at the uh, brewery here. Yeah, we've got an SPV hidden at a brewery. His first line delivered by Martin King, his second line delivered by Jeremy Wilkin. And he only has two lines, so I'm not sure what, what went wrong there. Oh, there's a mouse. That's always nice. Put some real animals in here with the puppets. Now
6: proceeding to the danger zone. Right, Captain Blue. Maintain maximum speed. You have 10 minutes. Yes, sir.
7: Oh, dear. It's 10 to 10. And this must have been fun for the actors to record. I've got tape over my mouth acting. Just standing there go. I think actually you, you do hear it looped, the same noises, particularly from Symphony, occur more than once. But this is also a really nice, really effective way of doing doing Symphony and um, Scarlet's escape from the, the basement. In terms of the live-action insert shots, although once Scarlet gets that staff in his hand and he's, it looks so heavy. I really feel the pain on his wrist there.
1: The conference is about to begin.
7: It's so well done. The the live-action inserts in this episode in particular. Understand. Symphony lifting up the staff with her foot and and then Scarlet working it into his hand. There's also plenty of behind-the-scenes shots of. Uh, uh, I believe it's Alan Perry himself playing Captain Scarlet throughout a lot of this. Anyway, the conference is about to start, but Morton has noticed some uh, tapping from the floor. And with, what, five minutes to go until the conference starts, now that Morton has found them,
2: Captain Scarlet.
7: I have to assume he leaps straight down that hole to rescue Scarlet. Yeah, what time is it? We're all seated for the conference. We've all got a drink, more importantly. What time is it? Oh, it's two minutes to ten. And here's the man. Firing at the painting. Is he going to get Holt? Yes. Oh, and Holt's covered in blood there.
2: Back to the magnacopter, quickly.
6: Symphony is preparing to evacuate the delegates, sir. And Captain Scarlet? He's gone off to Godot, sir.
7: Thank you for telling me, Lieutenant. I heard the calls as they came in. Again, it's a it's a narrative wave. We can't show the puppets doing these things, so let's have one puppet tell another what's happening with the other characters. Doesn't matter even if that character is sat in the room while they're receiving that report. And here's Captain Blue spotting Goddard up on the battlements with a nice machine gun. Like the trapped.
1: If it takes off, it'll be blown to pieces.
7: Oh well, who needs it?
1: This is Captain Blue. Do not take off until I give you the word. Goddard is positioned on the battlements. As soon as you're in the air, you'll be in his line of
2: fire.
4: SIG, Captain Blue.
2: Captain Sc- Oh, poor old Captain Scarlet. The battlements. The magnacopters pinned down. I know. I want the SPV power pack. You're hurt, Captain. I'll go.
7: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'd like to see that.
2: P V rocket. I'm going up there after him.
7: Yeah, who do we send against the guy with the machine gun the guy who's indestructible or the guy we've barely used this week take
2: it easy s-i-g
7: poor old scarlet he's bleeding but he's still got that power pack on going to sort out goddard this is probably oh this is cool blue pulls the spv door and then all those ricochets off the the metal plate and you can see that the metal plating of the spv and you can see it leaves indentations on the on the panelling also that really interesting shot of the spv backing away from the castle and its caterpillar tracks one of its caterpillar tracks is moving which is something the spv was supposed to be able to do to help it climb up mountains and such but we never actually saw them be used in the show and yet clearly the models were rigged to be able to do that very odd so that's a nice
2: shootout between uh scarlet and goddard captain blue i'll keep him occupied Five the SPV rockets as soon as the Magnacopter is clear. But Captain, you'll be killed. Oh no.
7: Don't you ever watch this show? Don't you ever hear the opening narration every week? Although this is a very nasty death for Scarlett coming up. Probably the nastiest. Because he's hovering around on that jetpack in front of the machine gun, kind of bouncing around to distract Goddard's fire.
2: The Magnacopter's clear, let him have it. SIG.
7: But unfortunately, Goddard gets him and Oh, there's that grimace face, and Scarlet's gut is just pouring with blood, and he's got his hands against his stomach. And oh, that's a really nasty death for for poor old poor old Scarlet there. And there goes the castle as well. It's taking God with it.
6: Well, Mr. Morton, I'm sorry I couldn't arrange this visit to Cloud Base sooner. I understand the delegates held the conference yesterday, and it was a great success.
7: Once we weren't involved with it. (laughs) Oh dear.
2: How he escaped unhurt. I guess I'm indestructible.
7: Yeah, but now Morton's lost the castle. He's got nowhere to work. But he gets a free visit to Cloudbase out of the deal.
2: It's all right, Colonel. I can take a joke. I'm sure you can, Mr. Morton. I'm sure you can.
7: And now we hold on Scarlet for an uncomfortably long period of time. Waiting for the audience laugh track, it's almost like. But it doesn't come. Maybe we can add some.
2: I'm sure you can, Mr. Morton. I'm sure you can.
7: (laughs) And that was the trap. Uh, That was... I feel like I've been harsher on that than I really should have been because I thoroughly enjoy that one. It's just the spectrum security angle, as is often the case with this show, drives me up the wall. Um, Spectrum have to be so negligent in order to get the story going that they basically just sent a load of important people off with Mistrons, suspected Mistrons, and then acted shocked when they found out that the suspected Mistrons were Mistrons. Bizarre. Also, they only send two people to do anything, but uh, that's par for the course with this show. But despite that, some really nice castle stuff there it's a really nice change of pace away from all the like secret bases and high-tech vehicles and such here's a nice old castle and it's again you know we've seen scotland stuff before in the anderson shows but it's always done well and particularly so here is this also i should mention is this the first episode that uses the uh the spectrum version of the theme song here i have a feeling it might be like many times when i say is this the first or is this the only I'm not certain, but certainly when I first watched the show, this was the first time I ever saw this song or heard it even. Goodbye. Ooh.
3: Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, a little bit of Captain Scarlet. Bum, bum. Yeah, well, who doesn't love a bit of Captain Scarlet? Other than uh, sure. Captain Black and the Mistrons, I guess. Sure.
0: Yes. They're not big fans. Yeah. They really aren't, are they? <laughs> No. Uh,
3: thank you, Chris. Let's hope for some more. Uh, now, Chris actually did send me a stat, I think, about where we're up to in the randomizer. Let me just check. Oh,
0: yeah.
3: Ah, ooh. Okay, mm-hmm. so I can tell you that between yes. this episode of the randomizer and the next episode in pod 138, we will have hit 25% of all anderson <gasps> oh, episodes Ah, really well all of those that will be mentioned in the randomizer isn't that yes. cool
0: i see yeah that's great so it doesn't, wow, it that's doesn't a lot quite of work isn't it
3: doesn't quite fit with now and then but at some point yep. between the two we we hit 25 so
0: what so what maybe don't know thursday yeah probably thursday tea time thursday. Thirsty tea time about that. Well, I shall raise a glass to the randomizer, being 25% true. No, we go. And
3: uh, let's hope for a good one next week to celebrate <laughs> the beginning of yeah. the next
0: 25%. Well, let's hope for it. I mean, it's always a good randomizer, isn't it? But it all depends. Is it a good episode? That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just... It's, well, it's just just always a good randomizer.
3: Not be torturing, that's all, really. Yeah, so, well, yeah. Fingers crossed, Chris, anyway. We'll see you next week. Uh, now, yes. is there anything you would like to say to close out this episode of the Jerry Anson Podcast, Richard? Nothing polite, no. Right. Well... On that bombshell, please do send us your questions, queries, thoughts, etc., to podcast yep. at jerryanderson.co.uk. Yes, Pop hashtag along. us on Twitter. Oh, do no, that then. Oh,
0: sorry, no, I was, I was being, you know, I was going to just jump in there. No, do it. Continue. After the you. Thought. Well, After you. it's easy. Hashtag us, Jerry Anderson podcast. Tag me, Richard and James. You, I'm Jamie Anderson. Him, Chris Dalek. Here we are. Done it.
3: Please do. And also go along to shop.jerryanderson.co.uk and make sure you pick up your supercard treasury box and Ooh, uh, yes. enjoy the flash sales that are coming up and all the sorts of other goodies that are coming in due course. Nice. Standby for action and cool things.
0: Love it. Is oh, that our should... new motto? So... A new catchphrase?
3: <laughs> I'm not sure it's as right, catchy I'm... as just standby for action. Ah, I'm using that. <laughs> um, okay, fine. We'll use that. Anyway, that's yeah. it for Pod137. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening, Podstrons, and goodbye.
0: Bye.
5: Complete. Let's go.
8: Spike is great.
0: Stand by for cool stuff. Is that what you're thinking? Or? I've ordered a Space 1999 jumper. I've ordered my Space 99. It's top. a T-shirt.
3: It's a T-shirt, not a jumper.
0: It's a T-shirt? Yeah. Oh. I want to send back my Space <laughs> 90,
3: 99 jumper.
0: Um, well, is I, it? But it's got long sleeves, though. It's a it, long sleeve. It is a long sleeve t-shirt. I've oh. got. I, well,
3: I think I sent you the photo of the prototype I've got here, didn't I? Yes. Yeah, yes. it's very cool. Although that one is a medium, and I'm very much a large, so it's a little well, bit of a like tight size. Okay, All right, thank you very much. But no,
0: mm. they are but very, I, very cool. Yes. I, as soon as that arrives, I'm going to put a make up a, a mock up of the opening titles of me <laughs> in a classic arms folded across the chest stance. Nice put it on twitter so have you ordered the, the koenig then of course you didn't get the carter no interesting it, does that say something about me do you think uh okay. that i like to think i'm in charge yeah you've got, you've got i a, like to think i'm in charge you've got a koenig complex <laughs> oh you can see it from there can you
3: <laughs> right on that note richard i'm glad you're going to Sorry. pretend to be uh, john koenig but i think you need Thanks. to go and sort yourself out
0: all right bye
3: then farewell you have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun?
0: You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.